Welcome to the Council of Moms. Here on the Council of Moms, we're really interested in creating empathy for each other, sharing our experiences, good and bad, uh, ugly and beautiful and good, in the hopes uh, that it will really encourage us to re-up our efforts in mothering and also be kinder to ourselves. Uh, I think that the thing that I like the most about the Council of Moms and why I'm so glad that you're watching this is because it will open us to different perspectives and give us a sort of bird's eye view of maybe the particulars of our own parenting experience. So I'm really excited for this assembly today. Um, I'm going to ask everyone to introduce themselves and also to share a, a parenting moment that for whatever reason sticks out in their minds. So I'll start. Whenever someone says, hey, how's parenting? Or what do you think about parenting? The first story that comes to mind is when my second Owen climbed the roof of our house that we had moved into that first week. Uh, they were two years old. I didn't know that they could do that. They did it. It created panic and a fun story because everyone's safe. But it, it was really like a, a singular moment that I think of, of, you know, there's new and surprising ways that parenting will stretch you and present your, you with situations you never thought you'd be in. And you have to solve it right in that moment and figure out how you're going to deal with it. So that's the moment that kind of really sticks out to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm Kimberly Simmons. Um, and um, a moment that sticks out to me, it was recently, okay, so uh, when we moved to Utah a few years ago, I I was like determined to get a ski pass. I did. And but I, didn't ha I, I had little kids, so I've taken them skiing like all the time, <laughs> frequently, all winter long. And this last winter, I got everyone on the hill and down the mountain for one really like crazy run. And I mean, I mean, I'd worked for like, eight years of, with a lot of meltdowns and a lot of schlepping skis while I was pregnant and not pregnant and holding kids and stuff like that. But everyone got down the mountain and I feel like it was a big parenting win in my year. And nice. I'm going to like, and so that's, <laughs> that's my parenting moment. I love it. <laughs> um, I am Emily Spencer and uh, I was a first time mom. Um Scary, as we all know, right? Uh, raising a toddler for the first time. And um, this was a particularly challenging moment with this toddler. And I remember kind of looming over and disciplining or getting angry or whatever it was at this toddler and maybe doing a little more lecturing than I should have been doing for, this, for, the, for the age of this child. And uh, they just looked up at me and said, you're the best mom. <laughs> oh, man. And I thought, I'm in for it. <laughs> this is going to be an interesting journey. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's great. They have your, yeah, they yeah. can read you yeah, already. They already, already. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Marilyn Valentine. Um, the parenting moment that I, I think I was thinking of just this moment. Um, when my oldest was was um, small, I, I, we were we lived in this old bungalow in Omaha, and she was in the bathtub, and I guess she wasn't feeling well, and she threw up mac and cheese in the bathtub, and and she said, I mean, she was so upset that she had spit out all her food. She's like, I spit out all my. Food. And it was just 
so funny how to deal with, you know, you've got a sick kid, but they're they're worried about that, you know, they they aren't accepting that the food that you gave them. That was, was so funny. Oh, it's so funny. It's it's amazing to me, especially as parents, how uh, certain events and they can just be everyday things or you know panic induced moments. What really like stays with us? And maybe I'm feeling nostalgic because you know my kids are getting older and things like that. But it is interesting like what sticks uh, and I think we can use that like for good or for bad uh, in our lives right if like we only remember the bad or we only remember the good and um and so it's interesting to hear everyone's response to that I think it's a great way to like sort of break the ice into yeah what what kind of moments have made you into the mom that you are right uh, we asked our audience what parent parenting questions or just questions in general do you have for the Council of Moms? And we took it really seriously and and I organized them and I kind of looked at them um, in categories. And one that had were asked in was asked in a different way, but definitely the theme was about mental health. And um and I found that so interesting because with social media, with the pandemic, we know we we can see the the results that our kids are struggling, particularly with mental health. And obviously, the questions from council uh, to the council of moms reflected that. And so, I'm going to ask two questions, and you can answer it however you want to. And with the preface of saying, I'm really excited um, because you all have experience with this. Um, either in mothering or professionally or a combination of both, right? So whatever you feel, for, you know, feel free to, to share whatever you feel comfortable with knowing that people, I mean, this is on the top of most everyone's mind. So the two questions are this. Um, the first one is, how do you know when it's serious enough that you either see a therapist or you um, seek professional medical um, care and it's just teenagers going through a change. How do or young adults? How do you know where is that point where you get help? That's the first question. And the second question that's kind of related is what can we do to really like strengthen our kids' mental health and their resilience? What kind of practices are best? And so I would like you to just kind of, if you don't mind, explain what sort of personal connection you have to mental health. And um, and then answer whichever question you'd like. How and that seems very formal for the council of moms, <laughs> but I felt like it needed to be a little bit more formal because it's a serious, serious. issue. You um, know? I was thinking earlier about the first question um, and decided to go with a more light-hearted answer. So I had all my kids together. This was about a year ago, um, and we're watching a movie because it's really super hot in St. George in the middle of the day, you know, so we would go play in, at night. But we watched Red, um, the Disney movie that's about coming of age. And as soon as that was over, I turned to all of my children and, and realized that my children are 25 to 15 um, and said, I want you guys to know that I recognize that each of you are your own person and I am not trying to live vicariously through you. But if you have something you want to talk about that you feel like I'm trying to make you do right now, let's talk about that. Let's have a conversation so that we can have start to change behaviors that are, are affecting you. So um, I feel like 
looking for those moments when you give your children the opportunity to um, have serious conversations about how they're feeling um, because it's weird to just kind of like bring it up. So kids, yeah, you know, um, yeah. but I, I was grateful for that opportunity. And how did they respond? Um, I learned some things about, yeah. about that some of them felt like I was trying to live through them mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. change my behavior a bit. Uh, wow. So I, I felt like that was helpful for our, our roles. Mm-hmm. And just a recent conversation that I had with my third, I was explaining my, my uh, ph- philosophical beliefs basically to her. And I could tell I touched on something because her behavior, you know, she went to a kind of a defensive body language. And I said, I said something just now that offended you. What was it? And it was another good opportunity to have conversations. So I think for mental health, it's, and this is something that we didn't really grow up with, and I certainly don't think our parents did, that given the permission to have more significant conversations about how we feel and, and, you know, what's important to us are something that hopefully we're embracing more. I I love that. And I would like to speak to that and both of these questions because um, I'm a registered nurse, most recently worked in mental health. Um, So I feel pretty passionately about this. And um, I had the opportunity to work very closely with a psychiatrist in our community. So I was able to uh, hear a lot of his, you know, his thoughts on this and his opinions. And so kind of going back to your first question of um, how do we know when when kids need more help. Um, So, you know, kids, teenagers, they're going to, they're going to experience distress at some, some level along the way. Um, They're, they're going to experience ups and downs and, and, and struggle with their mental and emotional health. Um, But it's when that, when they're, mental health interferes with their ability to function, mm-hmm. um, whether that's go to school uh, or if they're a teenager that can't, uh, that is unable to show up for a job when they have um, difficulty going out with friends, uh, difficulty in relationships. So we start to see some sort of impairment. That's when we usually encourage seeking additional help, whether it's seeing your doctor, your pediatrician, to look at medication as a as a resource or a therapist as a resource or something like that. So again, it's some sort of impairment, whether it's school, relationships, a job, just the things that they need to be doing, they're not able to, to do. Mm-hmm. So that's usually kind of the, the guideline that we have to, to tell, tell parents when they need to seek additional help. And then to your second question, which goes right along with what Marilyn was saying, one thing that this psychiatrist uh, talked about often was this um, environment of emotional safety and connection that if we can create that for our kids, it really goes a long way. Um, uh, obviously there's the, there's the aspect of building resilience, mm-hmm. um, you know, which we can talk about a little more, but just that initial emotional safety where kids feel like they can talk to their parents about anything and, and they feel that, that connection. So it really, really does go a long way. So those were just kind of two things I wanted to share Oh, for those yeah, questions. That's wonderful. Yeah. Right. Wow. Um, well, I think I'm still really learning here. I have young kids and um and I am always uh their mental health is always like something that I'm 
thinking about, but I, I haven't had experience in needing to seek additional help. But um, I, I feel like where I'm at in my parenting phase is I am always searching for tools for them to try to manage things on their own. And I, I, there's another level here, but like I just done these baby step things like, oh, you can't sleep at night. Okay, well, let's, let's work on what like, you know, try to research and figure out all the tools we can work on together to learn how to do this better. Or you're struggling in school, you're struggling with a friend or whatever. Um, I just, I, I feel like um, I, you know, and I'm not unique in this or anything, but I just, I'm trying to um, teach them the tools that they have within themselves and not, instead of seeking like first step of, you know, in like in the sleep thing, like first step being melatonin. I mean, not that that's a bad thing, but just trying to seek in the, seek inside themselves of learning uh, these steps or when you're sad, like what you, what you can do to regulate your own emotions and regulate yourself. And instead of just, you know, like throwing a screen at them to help them uh, feel better. So, you know, I don't, I, I'm like looking at you guys learn, trying to learn all these things. I think we will be in those stages where we need additional help. And I hope that I, I, I'm concerned that I would ever wait too long mm. um, in any of these. And I wonder, is it like, if you should, is there a too soon uh, time to get help? You know, I don't think there is, but I, I think if you're to the point where you're asking yourself or the kid, you're at the end of your, your resources, your personal yeah. resources. If you come to the question in your brain, that's, I really don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Help is absolutely you should seek help. I've I've had some of my children actually ask to see a therapist. Um and so we've done that and um I the the emotional relationship with my second oldest was really um tumultuous. Um and we we did therapists for a lot of years. Um and I, I think it was helpful. Um, honestly, I think the most helpful thing was the dog. Uh, you know, it was the dog was extremely helpful because the dog would tell me that he loved me through my second oldest voice all the time. You know, <laughs> even though the second oldest didn't want to be mm-hmm. talked to or hugged or you know. But I, I don't. I, I don't think you can do too early. If you're struggling, then talk to your your pediatrician and talk about, you know, getting therapists. A lot of their uh, pediatricians either have um, therapists that they work closely with, or sometimes there's even therapists that come to the pediatric office. I love that we're having this discussion with, you know, different life experiences and different ages of kids. Because when I hear you talk, I think, oh yeah, this is, I mean, it is reminding me of tools that I can use with my adult children as well. Do you know, I think sometimes mm-hmm. we think, oh, I don't know because my kids are younger or whatever, but we do, you know, that, that, a lot of that does transfer of of helping them to self-regulate, of the kinds of questions that we ask, the, the way that we help to problem solve. When our kids come to us at any age, how do we respond? Um, and and that sort of level of trust, I, I love that. And I love being reminded of, of that as well. Um, I also have the experience of some of my kids coming and saying, I'm not doing well, I need help. And there is something just absolutely gutting about hearing that, even though it's so great that they're asking for help. It's Mm -hmm. the best case scenario, but it still feels so hard when you hear your baby, you know, who's 
looking at you, they're not a baby because they can talk. Um, and they're asking for help and they're having real big feelings, you know? Um, but I do think that the way that you react afterwards, that's been a hard thing for me to learn that and in dealing with like mental health of not reacting, you know, of relaxing, of relaxing my face and asking questions and not being like, what? you know, I mean, which is how you're feeling inside because you don't want to give the wrong impression to your kid that this is totally, I mean, it is devastating because you don't want your kids to go through hard things, although you know that they have to and that that's part of life. Mm -hmm. But being that person that's, tell me more, I absolutely will follow through. I will make that appointment for you. I know that that means that feels overwhelming to you. I would like to help you. I'm going to follow up. Here's how I'm going to follow up. And making it you know, reassuring and knowing that when they ask for help, which is hard to do, that you will follow through is instead of, and in the draw, don't get me, is really strong just to be like, oh, let's just pretend it never happened. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to ask my kids about that. I mean, it's so much easier not to. It really is. But it's not what's best for them or for you, for your relationship or their mental health. So sort of leaning into that uncomfortable and the uncomfortable conversations. And then and dealing with that, what, how that makes you feel later on your own is an important right. thing that I've learned. And I think as as parents, we can practice that in our head. We can decide right now, how we're going to respond with whatever our kids come to us with. We should just practice. The first thing we're going to say, I love you. Yeah. But And just practice that. Just mm -hmm. prepare yourself. You will have those difficult conversations with your kids. You will. They will come to you with, you won't even know. <laughs> and you'll just need to, man, that first thing you're going to say is, I love you. Yeah. Um, and then going along with that, I do think as parents too, we can model to our kids mm -hmm. that it's okay to ask for help. Um, by um, even apologizing to our kids that, you know, we did our best. I'm sure we made mistakes. We're still learning. We're seeking help. It's okay to see a therapist or be on medication or whatever. Um, so I think we can model that to our kids that, that that's okay to do that. Mm -hmm. And when they see us taking care of our mental health or taking it seriously, mm -hmm. it does stay with them. Like in the back of their mind, they're thinking, oh, okay, so that's what I do. So I... Whereas before, I think my inclination would have been to keep those things private if, you know, of me seeing a therapist or taking medication, I would have been like, oh, that's private, that they don't need to know about that. And now I think the opposite. Because I've, we I've, need to normalize it. Because we have to We've normalize it. We've got to take away the stigma. It's like going to the dentist. Yes. Honestly. Yes. And the, the more doctor, we talk about it, the more we need to talk about it. Yeah. And I mean, I remember when the kids were were younger, and when their dad had the terminal diagnosis, so he was going to a therapist, and they were like, "Dad's going to a therapist," and I was like, "Yeah, of course he is." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then like really making it no big deal, um, and then obviously, like you know, that's something that I didn't see coming, and with the death of their father that first year after I was absolutely obsessed with their mental health. How are you feeling? What's going on? How are you grieving? What's doing? Do you need to talk to somebody? Do you need to talk to somebody now? Do you need a timeout? What do you need? What can I, you know, and I was, it was too much, but I actually don't regret it. That's, that was the phase that I was in. I can see looking back, it was too much, but my anxiety, my grief was caught up in, well, I have to make sure my kids are okay. And here's the thing, they weren't okay. But they shouldn't have been. They were grieving the death of their father. Like, these are legitimate reasons to be sad, to be depressed. We have a family history of, of, of depression and anxiety. So, of course, they were 
you know, going to struggle. But not taking that personally was so important. Normalizing it and making it of like, I would feel better if some, I had a conversation, one of my kids was not doing well and I could see, they did not want to see a therapist and really thought, fought me on it. And we're like, why do you think there's something wrong with me? You know, and I was like, no, I actually, I, it's, it's for the same reason I take you to the doctor to get checkups. It's the same reason why I take it. Like, and I, and I, I actually, the way that I convinced this child to go to a therapist, as I said, I am having a hard time with my mental health. I am grieving. I am not well. I need another set of eyes on you because you're important. Yeah. And that is what helped them to go and, and do that, which at the time I felt like, ugh, I shouldn't have told them that. I shouldn't, they shouldn't be worried about me. I shouldn't have told them that I was struggling. But again, my husband had just died. Of course I was struggling. There was no hiding it. Yeah, like, I love that. But it is interesting when you are going through a, a difficult time, the the certain like uh, mental health requirements that you you put in your head or checklist of like how you're supposed to handle it instead of just modeling I need help and so I'm seeking it I'm worried about you I think that that this would be a good thing is such a simple thing to realize now because my mental health is is in a, in a good place right now it's super easy for me to say but I think it's a, it's okay to tell them sometimes these things feel so uuncomfortable, and that's part of the problem. Yes. No, I love that you did that. I, I wonder that how you... we can normalize this a little bit, maybe for families who have a particularly difficult time. So, like, for example, I had a hard time asking for help, finally did. Now I feel so great. How can I make it easier for other people, too? I mean, obviously by talking about it, sure. But I wonder like what what things that you've seen that have been helpful either for your own kids, for you, um, that sort of normalizes it in a way that like just changes our communities. Um, I had a great experience a couple of years ago. My, my niece uh, was really struggling and she... Um, she just, I, I didn't, I wasn't aware of her struggles really, like kind of had heard about it from my sister, but she, um, my niece, uh, I was checking in with her and she asked if we could get together. So we got together and I, and then she kind of went into depth of all the struggles that she had been oh, wow. in and we, and we really talked about it and she, I felt glad that I could be there for her, but she was like, you know, I just was trying to test out saying these words to someone that was like my mom. And so, and I was just like the, I was just the test there, but I thought so much. How, what, but what a great thing to be yes. the, a safe I, place for her. Well, I, her. so I was so glad to be that person, but I also has given me such, um, such an, a different look at like the power of an aunt or, and not that I'm powerful at all, but like that, but like having a community and especially within a family of, um, being there for uh, other kids that are not your own, but you can still be like a testing ground for them or a safe spot for them. Um, and um, it's made me change the way I reach out to other other kids and just see them as like, oh, you know, I mean, I'm so glad I could be that safe spot for her, but I would love to be that for anyone else that would possibly need it. So it's really changed my interactions with um nieces and nephews and and other kids that are that just come over to our house. I just wanna I wanna share, I wanna be a loving, safe space for any of them. So that and and the research does show that that makes a significant yeah. difference in a kid's mental health. Wow, that's that's significant. Well and I think that's the ultimate goal 
um, you know, being a loving, safe space. At least that's my goal with my own children, um, despite, you know, any kind of challenges, is to, I want to be the safe spot that they land. I want to be the place that they come back to, that they know that there will be love and encouragement and um, just a safe place, you know, regardless of, of any kind of uh discomfort that existed before. I just want to be there. One of the best, best moments of uh, my recent past, um, we were we were on vacation and um, my second oldest was unable to come for work reasons. And I got a text that said, can I call you later from this child? And I said, of, of course. And they called and they said, Mom, I just want to tell you I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I was so mean to you and I didn't listen to you when you told me that you loved me. And I just want to tell you that I'm so sorry. And and uh, I was just so excited to, to have that child reach out and to be that place for that kid. And I will say our relationship since that time has been great. And and part of that has been me accepting them for who they are and and um and not uh, putting my expectations on them. Um, and that was after years and years mm-hmm. of it was after years and struggle years of too. struggles. Yeah. 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 So I mean that's so hopeful. That for happened. A lot of people. Um, yeah. yeah. So I would say the struggle started at about 13 and this happened when they were 20. Okay, that gives us so some timeline. It, was, yeah. it yeah. was about seven years of struggles. Mm. That's beautiful. We're uh, coming to the end of our of our time, and just before we go, I would love just to um, just go a- around just one more time, and um, if you know that's and answer this question, if you know that someone is struggling with one of their kids, their kids is having a hard time with mental health, and it does feel overwhelming. You know, we've talked about a lot of specifics that they can do, how to get help and all that kind of thing. But what do you say to them as a mother from the Council of Bumps? I think, you know, our, you're on this journey with your kids and you, for whatever reason, they're in this struggle and you are too. And I think that maybe I would I would just say that um, somehow somehow maybe there is beauty in this struggle or certainly maybe beauty can grow from the struggle. And, um, and, um, so even, I don't know, it's, it's in the terrible moment, find, find the beautiful moment of stillness with your child and, um, and enjoy that (laughs) in, I don't know. That's great. Wow. I love that. Kind of like I said before, I think the first thing is just expressing my love for them and, and telling them that there's nothing that they will ever do or say that will change that. Um, um, again, reminding them that they can come to me and tell me anything, um, that we can handle it, that together we will address it, we'll get the help that they need. I would want to share confidence with them that I feel like things will get better and that we will not leave their side, that we are with them every step of the way um, and just... Give them big hugs. Yeah, <laughs> and and maybe sometimes not not talk. Sometimes not talking is more powerful. Um, just remaining silent and just listening to what they have to say. And and you know, kind of going back on what I just said is maybe not providing answers all the time. It's just sitting with them and listening and just 
being there with them, that safe mm-hmm. place. I would say, um, in addition to what you ladies have said already, is to not neglect your own mental health and to recognize that your children's decisions are your children's decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, they are not actually a reflection of you. Mm. Um, and our our job is to love them as much as we possibly can. Um, but it is important to be in our own safe space as well and to have our own mental health preserved so that we can provide them all of that support and comfort. Oh, well said. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, I love this. Thank you for sharing your heart, your experiences with this. I would just like to end too by saying that I always want my kids to know that I'm on their side, that if they can come with me with anything, you know, a decision that I don't agree with, doesn't matter, mental health, needing help, anything that they can come to me that I'm going to be their advocate. I'm going to be on their side, you know, no matter what has been helpful. And so thank you for being here too for the mental health of the moms as well, who we have a lot to to offer our kids and it's a lot. And so I think talking about it more openly can help. I hope it has helped someone who's who's listening, who's thinking, oh, this is overwhelming. I'm alone in this. You know, you're not. And so thank you for for being vulnerable about this. This is an important topic. Like I said, a question that we got a lot for the Council of Moms. So thank you for watching this Council of Moms. As always, you can always reach out to the Lisa Show wherever we are to ask your questions because this kind of stuff, these discussions matter because they affect families and how we live our lives. Thank you for listening to the Council of Moms. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Find us on any of the podcast platforms. And if you have a question for the Council of Moms, please leave a comment for us on The Lisa Show on Instagram or Facebook. Mm -hmm.